1: Oh, Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of AGP. As always, I am your host, I am Amanda Gillum, also known as Lady Vader 79 throughout the gaming universe, and of course, AGP would not be eligible for you all to listen to, and our videos over on YouTube would not be there for your enjoyment to make fun of us if it wasn't for our amazing sponsors, so let's take a short moment to thank them. First up, we want to thank Hazel Productions and their all-ages comic, Peanut Put It In Jelly, Scott Comics and their all-ages comic, our super mom, where yours truly is a super Hero Ghost Hunter. Of course, we want to thank Mark Kidwell, Images 68 uh writer for um if you've never read it, and it it's an amazing zombie chronicle taking place during the Vietnam War, and then eventually comes to the United States. You definitely have to check that one out. Of course, to Sean Forney Illustrations and their independent comic, Scarlet Huntress. To UVN, the Underground Video Network, bringing you some of the most entertaining videos around the entire tri-state area of Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. To the Gym City Comic Con, coming to you March 24th or 25th at the Dayton Convention Center in Dayton, Ohio. And, of course to the wonderful Champion City Comic Con where AGP will have not one but two panels coming on to you on October 29th in Springfield, Ohio. On that note, I want to welcome if not this amazing guy. He's funny. He has he does a podcast, he loves horror, which is right up my alley, and he just got discovered by Discovery no. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want everybody to welcome my newest friend, because we're already friends. We've already bonded. It. There's no if, ands, or buts. We're now friends, William J. Wright. Hi, William. Welcome to AGP. Hey, well, thanks for having me, Amanda. It, it's wonderful to have you. It's actually nice to have you legally instead of you just crashing. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's, that, that's the way we do it.
1: If y'all weren't here for last week, uh, William uh, kind of crashed in when we had Steven. So, yeah, basically we're continuing the Mortis Takes Over the AGP podcast. So <laughs> That's
0: that's what we do. We're like a virus. You know, we uh, get in, we inf- infect other people's shows, take them over. That,
1: that's all right. So, I actually got to listen to some of your podcasts. So if you want to infect this show, that's fine by me. I'm okay with that. Cool, cool. Which one did you listen to? Um, I listened to episode nine
0: okay. and episode okay. twelve. Oh right, yeah, I to so ref- refresh my memory who's on there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well first First, because if I don't remember this now, I'm totally going to forget. So you were talking about a little bit about how um, you have worked with a couple of things with, like, um, the Home and Garden Network and the Food Channel. And then we made the joke about discovery. And I was like, well, did they discover anything yet? You said they hadn't found Bigfoot. Have you ever actually watched that stupid show, Finding Bigfoot?
0: You know, I have never made it through an entire episode. Never. Never made it from beginning to end, y'all. Tune in and see, you know, if three or four minutes of a bunch of guys kind of stumbling around the woods, you know, yelling, making the Sasquatch noise, and then nothing happens. So I just kind of move on, which is not to say that, you know, I don't don't find that, you know, Bigfoot is an incredibly interesting uh, topic of conversation. (laughs)
1: I, I totally agree with you there. So, but here's the thing. So, like I was telling you before, I had worked at a zoo for 15 years. And so I'm watching this one episode and every stupid noise is a squatch. Did you hear that? It's a squatch. Did you hear that? It's a squatch. It actually became a running joke within our uh, Let's Plays, um, Let's Plays where you play video games and post those videos up on YouTube. And I was like, oh, did you hear that? It was a squatch, And it was just like this running gag because I had to do it because I'm watching this one episode and you clearly hear a coyote howl and the one dude looks at the camera goes did you hear that it was a squatch and I went dude I'm even drunk and I know better than that (laughs) like you have to be an idiot to not know what the sound of a coyote is versus a squatch like seriously you guys have some serious messed up issues, like every freaking answer. And it just became like this running gag. And I can understand why you never watched the full episode because it's literally a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> you,
0: uh, and normally I love things like that. I just find that one just kind of dry and kind of goes nowhere. Same episode over and over. You know, as a kid, I loved the old uh, Leonard Nimoy in search of program, anything cryptozoology that came on, you know, I was all over it, had to see it, you know. so So do you believe in Bigfoot yourself?
1: Um, I believe that there could be the possibility that there are creatures out there that could be like Nessie or yeah. Bigfoot, at least somewhat reminiscent of what uh, – because I, I don't want to say that, yes, it is absolutely true, because there's those things where it may not work – um, I'm sorry, where it may not look what everybody thinks that they are, but there could be something really close to it. We discover new and incredible creatures every day, and there's too many stories about it for it to not have some fabric of truth to it.
0: Right, right. See, my life is built around a series of useful fictions that help me get through day-to-day life, and one of those is I would rather live in a world with Bigfoot been without Bigfoot. So regardless of whether uh, he's real or not, he's real to me, damn it.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. Now, as for which ones, the episodes that I watched, so episode nine was actually your Doug Jones episode.
0: Doug jo- yeah, Stephen's Doug Jones interview. That, that's the fun show. That's a really good
1: one. Oh, yeah. Because first off, who doesn't love Doug Jones?
0: I oh, mean, that
1: yeah. man is just amazing. Yeah. From... Let's see, he played two characters in Pan's Labyrinth. He was the, like, centaur or minotaur creature, and then he was the one that had the eyeballs in his hands, which was really creepy, and made everybody go, no, I don't like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my favorite Doug Jones would have to be John dies at the end, because you get to see Doug not covered in, you know, 100 pounds of latex. Right. You actually see Doug there acting. He's a marvelous actor. I was kind of disappointed that uh, he's heavy makeup. For Star Trek Discovery, you know, I kind of want to see, you know, just Doug because he's a cool guy.
1: And then I was actually wrong. It was actually episode four that I listened to because I literally picked it based off of the titles. And the first and the first title that I listened to was "A Nightmare on Mortis Street" because okay. I'm a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Huge awesome. Nightmare on Elm Street fan. That was
0: our Wes Craven memorial. Mm-hmm. Trip. that's a good one. My favorite episode, and I'm. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to be as impartial as possible is, and I do not recollect show numbers, which is horrible for the producer of a show to say, is the Victoria Price interview
1: show. Oh, yeah. yeah I, that's but, on my list to listen to next.
0: Yeah, that one is, that one's really, really special. You know, Wait, me you gro- growing up as with- a huge <laughs> Vincent Price fan getting to speak with Victoria. Vincent's daughter, you know, I'm sure all everyone who listens to AGP knows who Vincent Price is.
1: Um, I'm sorry. If you don't know who Vincent Price is, um, you have issues, and you need to be sat down and be taught properly.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> That's a good one.
0: Our Halloween episode, the first, our first-year Halloween episode is really good, too. It has a ton of guests on it. And, uh, God, I think it's over two and a half hours long. But we had, uh, oh, geez, who was on that one? We had... Um, Oh, Tom Sullivan from the Evil Dead, special effects master from the Evil Dead. Uh, you know, the the father of the Book of the Dead did all those wonderful special effects. You know, and Tom's been a good friend for a long time. Uh, right. I, we've just done so many, and we've had so many great guests. I mean, we've had Sean Five from uh, Rob Zombie's band on twice in our music segment. We've had, uh, God, we've had Ramon on, you know, <laughs> just uh, wonderful wonderful stuff we've done.
1: By the way, uh, tell Steven his review on Resident Evil Biohazard was yeah. awesome.
0: Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. See, I know no- nothing about video games. It's one of the many, many holes in my, uh, you know, my fandom that uh, Steven's here to fill in.
1: Dude, if you're going to play a video game, I highly recommend that one. Dude, there's a lady with a high for who, woohoo area. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I'm sold now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is she. She has these bugs come out of there, and they attack you, and it's just terrifying. And you have to shoot her there to kill her. and It is just no. It's just so terrible. The game is just so. It it was really amazing because um, even though I know you said you don't know much about video games, I'm sure you know what Resident Evil is at this point. Oh, working absolutely. in the I, horror drama.
0: I, I played the original Resident Evil, Resident Evil Two on the on PlayStation One back. Jesus, over 20 years ago? <laughs>
1: now. day, Sean. That's my jam right there. Oh, okay. remember the first time and you're walking through the mansion and the first zombie dog busts through the window? Oh, yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, just pure heart attack, pure adrenaline. You're just like, Ugh! first time it happened, I forgot to fire at the dog. <laughs> the most irritating part of that game is the
0: is the dialogue. The, poorly translated from Japanese to English dialogue, you know? It's <laughs> just hilarious.
1: But the one thing that I'm impressed about you guys is, like, there. I thought I was the only person who saw some of these things, and obviously I am not. I was going through, like, your guys' reviews and stuff, and the <laughs> fact that uh, David Ward actually watched Turbo Kid. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I'm going, I thought I was the only person who sat through that. Really? <laughs> Yeah, Dave was one of
0: our one of our founders. He's uh, he's moved on. He's uh, no longer with us. He's went back to doing his uh, own show. You know, he kind of did his part. And he, he's moved on. That's kind of we, one of the many things that's happened over the year. We've taken a really long hiatus. We've had a lot of staff changes, and uh, Stephen wanted to go off and do his documentary and work on some other things so we have people changing jobs so we kind of like laid low and concentrate on our social media for this year but our new show is coming out uh we were shooting for august it doesn't look like that's going to happen but the new show will be out in early september so within the next week or two and it is uh kind of in celebration of the birth birthday of H. P. lovecraft which was earlier this month We have a very special two-part interview with a gentleman by the name of Lehman Kessler, who is this fabulous actor who does um, his interpretation of H.P. Lovecraft. He has a YouTube channel and a very popular series called Ask Lovecraft where people write in questions and he answers them as H.P. Lovecraft. and It's hilarious and thought-provoking and Lehman's a super talented guy, and I hope everyone will uh, be sure to download that one and listen to it when it comes out.
1: You hearing all this, Lord Cthulhu? Sounds like we're going to have to listen to another podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yes, then Lord.
1: I'll. I'll, I'll give <laughs> Lord Lehman Cthulhu speaks right Ask here.
0: Lovecraft. Look for it on YouTube. Watch it. You will laugh <laughs> till you cry.
1: You you would, he, I wonder if this guy would actually uh, admire my bathroom. It's got every, there's tentacles everywhere. Like everything is Cthulhu. I even have a Cthulhu tentacle for my um, bath plug.
0: (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'm (laughs) I'm a long time Lovecraftian, you know, and I think like a lot of Lovecraftians, I have kind of a, oh, geez. A problematic relationship with Lovecraft as an author for, for many reasons, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, well, I was, do admire a lot of his it, was, work. it
1: was Tom Sullivan and his things with call of Cthulhu, which got me into Lovecraft. That's how Black I got Cthulhu, into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, um, his work with chaos, chaosium.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Tom, Tom, I love Tom. I've known Tom for many years. In fact, um, Back in 2012, I was nominated for a Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Award for Best Interview. Didn't win. That's cool, you know, because nominat—you know, as they say, it's just an honor to be nominated. In that case, it is. That's your peers. That's other writers. That's editors who nominate you for these things. And it was an honor to do that. But the article is about Tom and behind the scenes of the, the original Evil Dead. It appeared in Phantom of the Movies Videoscope, which is Great magazine uh, that's been around for, geez, I guess they're going on 30 or more years now. Getting close, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, Tom is just, he's just a wonderful guy and so talented and so, I feel, got the short end of the stick when it comes to the Evil Dead fandom. He should be much more popular and should be you know, much more recognized for his role in that film because all those great evil dead moments come back to Tom Sullivan. I mean, oh, if yeah. you're not looking at Bruce Campbell, you're looking at something that Tom Sullivan did or designed in that film, you know? And of course the other star of that film is Sam Raimi's direction. Those three, those three elements, just brilliant.
1: Oh yeah. Which speaking of you have actually gotten, you interviewed Bruce Campbell.
0: I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Bruce, I've met Bruce and, um, Bruce is one of the – what you see is what you get with Bruce. Mhm. Bruce is the reason that I firmly established – I interviewed Bruce early on in my journalism career. This has been, oh, geez, fifteen, fourteen, fifteen 14, 15 years back that I interviewed Bruce. And at that time, I was just kind of starting out, you know, just kind of thankful that people were talking to me at all. So I emailed Bruce at his email address. I got his real one, not the one he puts out there for the fans. I got his real one. And uh, hey, Bruce, uh, big fan. Uh wonder if you'd do me the honor of uh, granting me an interview. Get an email back in a day or two. Uh, Bruce says, yeah, sure. This is like in spring of whatever year that was. And he says, yeah, get in touch with me in October and we'll do something. So um, finally, October rolls around months later. All right, Bruce, again, hey, you ready for the interview? Sure. So he requires me to do this interview through email, 10 one-part questions. This is a journalist's nightmare. So uh, the best thing I can say about Bruce, there's two things. Bruce truly loves his fans. Bruce is very Mm -hmm. good. And also, uh, Bruce is the reason I will not do email interviews ever again.
1: If you want to Campbell. interview,
0: I, you know, anyone, yeah, I, I'm there. We've got to do it by phone. we got to do it face-to-face. No, no email interviews for me ever again because that was going to be a really big payday for me at the time. And, uh, you know, I wound up just kind of giving it away because there was so little – substance you know i got it's good for what it is it appeared in uh, a uh, goth lifestyle magazine in washington Mm dc that i used to write for called city morgue it was there and i think it also appeared on uh, a website called pretty scary which is not around anymore but uh yeah but i i've met bruce and you know and uh, I kind—I guess I kind of interviewed. It. it's like it's, it's—it's on my resume. I interview Bruce Campbell. I mean, it's on but your it's resume, doing, you know? but
1: you do get the claim it. I mean, yeah. I—I've seen him interact with his fans, and I know how much he loves his fans. And yeah. it always—it always pains me because I go to like these conventions and stuff. And I went to this one convention called Horrorhound. He was there, and like, <laughs> it's almost like sometimes the celebrities just absolutely hate being there because of their PR people or something. Because you can oh, yeah. see in their eyes. They want to interact, but they, but their PR guy's like, no, you have to sign and say get lost. And it's yeah. like, seriously, like let them interact with their fans. I mean, that that was most of the fans are there to hopefully like be able to shake their hand or something. And it's like, and and the thing is, is a lot of people go, man, I he just signed my thing. I was like, you guys do have to realize there are a few celebrities that are like that, but a little, nine times out of ten, it's really their PR people who do that.
0: Sure. Sure, uh, many many times it is, and also you know, uh, you know they are often under so many you know rules and regulations set forth by the convention and by their management, and you know it's not like when I start going to cons, people sign for free. You know, you showed up, <laughs> took hands, you hung out. There's probably you know for horror conventions, there's probably maximum you know 200 to 500 people there to begin with. You know, it was long right. pre-internet days. You know. But, uh, um, when
1: I went to conventions, it was ten bucks, and you got to like, you could take your camera and take a picture of them, and then they would hold the camera. You have somebody else take a picture of you standing next to them. It was like ten bucks. You got to like talk to them and the whole nine yards. Now it's like a hundred bucks a pop, and you may get to have them look at you if you're lucky. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah that's to just... everyone. There, there are a few who are still kind of, kind of do as they please, you know. And there's.
1: Uh, Really good example, John Reese davies He doesn't care. He'll do oh, what he funny. wants.
0: Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned him. That was uh, Stephen and I, uh, when we actually first kind of met up again after not seeing each other for years, was at a convention here in Knoxville called AdventureCon, and uh, John Reese davies was there. And uh, so that always uh, – he always brings back memories, you know, of our early days there, proto-mortis days <laughs> and Stephen. <laughs>
1: I was working for a comic book convention called the Cincinnati Comic Expo and he was a guest there and I went to go get I went to go get my autograph and it was really funny cuz I had this VHS tape of the lost world not jurassic park but the original 1980s lost world that he was in and he kept trying to tell me that i needed to give it to him i'm like are you insane he's like i don't have a copy of this so i hunted down an actual dvd of both the original and the sequel that he starred in um in his region and had it sent to him it was really cool um, but I think the coolest thing about him was like, he stopped the line, stopped w- doing autographs. Cause there's this little kid dressed up like Gimli and he took the battle ax and he started doing lines from Lord of the Rings for the kid. And it was just so adorable. And then we were at, and then he had his panel and I was there trying, you know, it's like, okay, you got to wrap this up. And he looks at me, goes, when's the next one? I was like, "In 15 minutes, then make him wait 15 minutes and I'm going to finish. And I'm like, I'm not even going to argue with you. I'm just not. I've just got to – all I know is in 15 minutes, i got to scoot you back downstairs. That's all I'm worried about at this point. I'm not –
0: You say the lost world, and I don't think Jurassic Park. I think 1925, Willis O'Brien, dinosaur, stop motion. Yeah. The
1: stop motion. Oh, my It's it's amazing how many people don't realize that we would not have anywhere near the special effects that we have today if it wasn't for stop motion.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, beginning with Willis O'Brien, of course, the original Lost World King Kong, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the master, Ray Harryhausen, who, you oh.
1: know, really <laughs> you, can't, you can't say stop motion without mentioning his name. You just can't. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I'm of a generation that was old enough to have actually seen Ray Harryhausen films at the theater and, you know, especially at the drive-in. One of my earliest memories of Going to the movies was seeing Jason and the Argonauts at a drive in theater. Blew my little mind.
1: Oh, you lucky, lucky, lucky bastard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's no other word to call you, but bastard there, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, old
0: old people got all the best memories, let me
1: tell you. (laughs) I mean, think about it. But. When we went to the movies when we were younger, seeing things like *Empire Strikes Back* or *Jason and the Argonauts* and things like that, it was such a magical time. And I think a lot of the people nowadays, especially you know, the generations growing up with all the technology, it's not as magical for them as it was for us because it was so new and so inventive. It was being on the cup. We were on the compass of what all this technology is nowadays. Most of these kids grew up with it. They never had to deal with dial-up or (laughs) when the president came on, that was it. There was no watching TV. Everybody had to leave because you only had three channels anyway, and they just canceled Flipper so the president could talk.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, something interesting. I have uh, three boys, one in fifth grade, uh, one just started kindergarten, and one in um, third grade. And they... Don't care about special effects. Period. I mean, they like seeing cool things, but to them, if I put them down in front of a Godzilla movie, they love the guy in the big suit as much as they do, or more than uh, anything new with CGI. You know, they still dig the old stuff, and I find that kind of true of children in general. You know, they're able to make that that leap of imagination that I think most of us, you know, over the age of 25, have lost. You know?
1: I don't know. I think I still have a pretty, pretty vivid imagination. I mean, when Jurassic Park came out, that scene when they see that Brontosaurus, I was like, "And I am five years old, and I want to touch it." <laughs> see, when like, I was five years old, this is this is this will put a real uh, this will date
0: me for sure. I saw uh, Star Wars when I was five years old in the theater in 1977. And when uh, I was
1: five years old, Return of the Jedi came out.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, see I guess I was eleven that summer, I remember it vividly. But that film, Star Wars, you know, I'm not a huge fan. I mean I was as a kid. You could not help but be a fan when you were a kid growing up in the seventies and eighties. But um that film is probably the closest that my generation has to a cultural phenomenon like Elvis or the Beatles. And when I say Star Wars, I'm not talking about what it is now but what that single film was back in seventy seven.
1: Oh, the lines. If you seriously, if you if you have no idea about the history of Star Wars people, you need to just research the lines for Star Wars in nineteen seventy seven and seeing these lines of people around the corners. We're not talking that 1999 prequel release of people camping out. Well, we're talking legitimate people getting out of the theater, literally going back in line, which is going five, six, seven blocks around a corner, just so they can watch it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing, if you do a lot of study about that, is there's been a whole whole lot of revisionist history about that film, almost beginning to going back to 1978, the year after uh, there are statements uh, being made about how that film came together and, uh, you know, what was going on with it that are patently untrue <laughs> and verifiably so. I think but anyway, Star Wars so has
1: probably... Another... Oh, but I think, I think you're right, though. There are so many rumors and theories yeah. and uh, it's like Star Wars has its own complete urban legends about it. Yeah. And it and some people just swear up and down about them, even though there's been people out there to go, guys, we actually have facts that this didn't happen. It It's just, it's become such a cultural phenomenon. And I do have to appreciate the fact that, yes, Disney now has the reins with it, and they're doing an exceptional job bringing it back for our next generation. And I have to admit, I really love the fact that they're like, no, guys, you're going to have to go on location. We're not just going to put you in front of a green screen. You're going to have to get out there. You're going to have to get sweaty. You're gonna have to run, you're gonna have to do these things. It's time
0: to get yeah. physical again. Yeah. I mean I've got a real love hate with those films. I mean I have a whole lot of nostalgic attachment to them. But on the whole I think they're kind of beyond beyond criticism at this point. It's almost like there's such a product that it's kind of like kind of like trying to criticize a Big Mac, you know? It's like a, <laughs> the Big Mac is a mass rose product that you either like or you don't. You can't love. Really- Sit down and talk about it like, uh, like, like a, a plate of duck l'orange at a five-star restaurant. You know, you know exactly what you're in for and what you're going to get. And it's not necessarily a whole lot of uh, substance, but still fun. And if that's what you're in the mood for, it sure, it's the spot.
1: Oh yeah, it does. Matter of fact, I think now I'm going to McDonald's. I'll take a number one with no onions, medium size of the Diet Coke to drink, please. <laughs> I love. I love my Big Macs, man. It, it It's just one of those things. Big Macs. That's all I'll ever eat from McDonald's. I don't <laughs> eat anything else. Yeah. And it's actually funny because they know me so well. I will start my order. And that's actually how I order it. And then they're like, and then two cheeseburgers plain for your dogs, right? Yes. <laughs> 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 and it doesn't help that I can actually see McDonald's when I look out my window like, yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty
0: funny that this has come up again because just a few days ago I'm writing for a magazine called, that just started, the first issue came out, uh, it's called Exploitation Nation and the title should give you an idea of what you're going to get uh, the first issue focuses on it's a theme issue about lesbian vampires so there's like a whole lot of genre in, in there and uh, that sort of thing, I have two pieces in there one about Volcar, which I would love to talk to you more about in a minute, and also an interview with Diane Thorne, who was also a she-wolf of the SS. But anyway, the editor of that magazine is a gentleman by the name of Mike Watt. And Mike and I have a real long relationship going back uh, about 15, 16 years now. He was the editor of Sirens of Cinema Magazine, uh, and he asked me to be a head writer, and I wrote a lot. A lot of stuff for them. We can talk about that, too, if you want to. But anyway, Mike... I what I think. Mike gets... Uh, frustrated with um, things like the Marvel movies like he put a post up the other day about he didn't you know he's in the minority but he didn't like the Defenders and he went into detail about why he didn't you know and I'm like after reading this and seeing all these comments of these people trying to you know grind this pop culture artifact into fine dust and then go through it looking for nuggets of meaning you know I'm looking at this like you know Mike a, you know, sometimes a Big Mac is just a Big Mac and you enjoy it for what it is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Big Mac may hit the spot, but at the end of the day it's still a Big Mac.
1: Well, there, there's guy. so much
0: stuff now. There's so much stuff that's gone beyond I mean, nothing's above criticism, but I mean it's so so hard to you know look past the uh you know the popularity of it.
1: That is true. I mean, when it, cause if you go against oh, sometimes the norm, um, my biggest one is like when Titanic came out and everybody's like, that's the greatest movie ever. And I'm like, did you watch the same movie that I did? Cause that movie sucked. <laughs> and I got in, like, I got into arguments. I got so much hate because I'm like, no, seriously, that movie sucked. I was like, yeah. even the Academy Awards will tell you the movie sucked. They're like, no, they were nominated for so many. I was like, Except for three things. Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Picture. The three things that really matter at the awards? No. (laughs) If you weren't nominated for those three things, you're going to be sucked. Wait, didn't Titanic get get Best Picture that year? No. Who Who got it that year? I don't know. All I remember is, I think they were nominated for Best Picture, but they didn't They didn't win any of the big three titles. They got Best Music, they got Best Costuming, they got Best Special Effects, and all these other things. And I'm just like, but the three big ones, they didn't win. And the reason why is because the movie sucked. The best line comes out of Billy Zane's mouth... And I'm like, and that's the sad part is, is you have these fantastic actors and yes, I'm still old school. So I remember when it was best leading female actor and best leading male actors. So they're all actors. I don't use the actress thing. Yeah. Um, so you have these great actors, you know, you have Leonardo DiCaprio and we know how great he is. Kate right. Winslet who by far is just absolutely phenomenal. And she's a fantastic singer too. Sure. And, and you And there's this, you know, you have all these really great people and it's almost like they're like James Cameron went, okay, that was great, but if you could do it with no emotion and act like you've never acted in your life again, I would like you to, I want you to emanate that when you do your scene next. And I'm just like. There's no emotion, and the only great line in that entire freaking movie is after the ship hits the iceberg, and they're trying to evacuate the ship, and Kate Winslet's character goes, wait, there's not enough lifeboats on the ship. Half of the people are going to die. And Billy Zane goes, Billy Zane's character's like, well, not the better half. It's like the
0: only good line in that entire freaking movie. Not draw me like your French girls?
1: (laughs) No, not draw me like your French (laughs) girls. Not, um, not... I'm gonna. I love you, Jack, so much, and I'm gonna throw this really expensive diamond that I could have used to actually fund my entire family for the rest of their lives, and just chunk it over the edge of the freaking boat, or even give it to the guy who could put it with your story, and you know, you'd have this epic story of true love, testing, standing with, withstanding the test of time. No, we're just gonna chunk it over the edge of the boat. <laughs>
0: Okay, here we go. Uh, the film garnered 14 Academy Award nominations, time record set in 1950 by Joseph Macklin's All About Eve, which is a great film. Go watch it. One mm-hmm. eleven. Uh, 11 Here's the 11 that won. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Visual Effects, Best Film Editing, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, uh, Best Did Sound effects, win, best,
1: actor, Actress, Best Original Dramatic Score did get Best Picture. No, Got Best Picture. did get Best probably because of all the special effects and everything, but still, not actor, not actress.
0: Yeah, but but it did get Best Picture, so uh, there you go. Still. But is it is it James Cameron's best film? No. 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 James Cameron made a good film.
1: That no. movie, I, I guarantee Baby. you, that movie would have been <laughs> half of what it was if it yeah. wasn't for the fact that Celine Dion's song, uh, My Heart Will Go On, wasn't plastered to everything. Yeah. Let's uh, face it. That that song really made that movie. Yeah. When and then you have really great movies like Aliens. Why doesn't that one get an Academy Award? That's a fantastic movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> honestly, because it's uh, yeah. I, honestly, if you're going going to compare those two films, you know it's like there's not very much difference at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's the one. I love aliens. Do not get me wrong. I love aliens. I love genre films. Do most genre films deserve accolades like Best Picture? Hell no. I, I mean,
1: well, it would, even though it would be fantastic if a horror movie or a superhero movie walked into the Academy Awards and walked out going, sounds are changing. That'd be fantastic.
0: That's Finals and Lambs got Best Picture. Yeah,
1: but that w- that's just a fantastic movie all the way around. I mean, right. how 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 can you not? I mean, Anthony Hopkins in it just just the way he talks in that movie sends chills down your spine. Like, I'm not sure if I can. I don't even know. I don't not. I I can't remember any of the graphic details of this movie because I just hear Anthony Hopkins' voice and I'm just like, um, yeah, I'm creeped out.
0: <laughs> yeah, great film. <laughs> Uh, yeah, So brilliant,
1: brilliant. you were saying something about lesbian vampires and wanted to talk about something.
0: Oh, uh, Exploitation Nation. That's uh, yes. the new magazine that I'm writing for, um, edited by my old friend Mike Watt from Sirens of Cinema. Um, track it down, find it. You'll be able to find it at, um, let's see, Cinema Wasteland coming up. Drop by their table. I'm sure they'll have issues there I'm working on. New article for it right now. Uh, the theme of the first issue is lesbian vampires, so there's a whole lot of vampiros, lesbos, genre, and type articles and information in there. I am not part of that in this particular issue. I have a big uh, yeah, I have a big piece on folk horror, which is probably my favorite subgenre right now, and also an interview with uh, Diane Thorne, who we all know and love, is Ilsa, she wolf of the SS, and that great bizarre franchise from the 70s
1: <laughs> well i gotta I, I have to ask you this because as as soon as you said it my mind wandered off you said uh lesbian vampires which yeah, that, brings kinda, me that, into, that,
0: that, that phrase kind of sticks in your mind you know
1: <laughs> well it's just okay so these are the thing. this this is how my mind works you say lesbian vampires and then i'm wondering and then my first thought is so do they just keep women around and just wait for them to have their periods and then like it's a substantial food source at all times? Because oh, wow. they you know they're gonna to, get the feed once a month.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just stick this plant took this to a real uncomfortable place.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. What else you wanna talk about? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, and and then, of course, then My Mind Wonders. Speaking yeah. of that, why does it that ever covered in the zombie apocalypse? Like, they never, you know, they go on, like, you watch The Walking Dead, and they always go for these provisions and stuff, and they even talk about, well, I need condoms so I can have safe sex. Who the hell, like, who's the who's the person who's going, see if you can find a box of tampons?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I, seriously. The thing is,
0: if you're looking for realism in the zombie apocalypse in a, in a, in a film or a TV series like that, uh I I I find it odd how people are willing to suspend so much disbelief. They'll buy walking corpses but they won't buy other things. Yeah, you know, they they look for internal logic elsewhere. But you know, then again, I'm a a I'm a big fan of uh all that Italian stuff from the seventies where plot is secondary.
1: I got well, see, to see I can tell about See, and these are the things – the reason why these plague my mind is because I'm all about a zombie apocalypse happening. I really am. I'm, like, pro for it. I really am. But if you go to my zombie apocalypse survival thing, the first thing you're going to notice is there are tampons and there is toilet paper in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I guess that would be the second order of business after food, you
1: know? (laughs) Like, I I would love to pick, like, some – like, even um, if it's before he passed away, George A. Romero's mind going – can they smell a woman during that time? Like do we have to lock her up in like a cage so they can't get to her because obviously that is a very distinctive smell
0: <laughs> you know, and that's the you know, uh, there you see you've developed your own internal logic about how zombies work, which is very cool. that's the mark of a good piece of fiction is that it got your mind you know clicking, and you run off the idea that zombies are smell driven creatures. Which is cool. Well, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to
1: that. I, it, I mean, obviously they, it's it, they have to be able to pick up on us for more than just the noise. Because if you're hiding, they can. They almost always seem to find you, even if you're hiding. So there has to be something that drives them to it. And like the only movie that's even slightly ever covered anything like this was in Pitch Black, um, when Vin Diesel's character Krennic turns around and goes, "Not her." her she's bleeding mm-hmm. and she's like but I don't have any cuts and the little girl's like but I don't have and it's like you, if you don't pay attention you don't understand what he's talking about like she's hitting her cycle and it's kind of like oh and she's a girl oh got it and it's just one of those things because it's never brought up you know you have all these vampire movies I mean that would suck it's like the only time a female would be like oh please let me hit men- menopause before this starts <laughs>
0: Okay, I have a film I want you to seek out. Have you ever, <laughs> seen, maybe you've seen it, have you ever seen any of Armando D'Ossorio's Blind Dead films? No, I have not. Okay, I want you to seek out Tombs of the Blind Dead.
1: Tombs uh, of the Blind Dead.
0: Tombs of the Blind Dead. Watch that one. It has a very uh, very interesting take on uh, the Living Dead subgenre and zombies. I. God, it's so hard to use that term now. It's so weird for me that zombies have become such a staple of American culture. But, yeah, check out Tombs of the Blind Dead. And that's got a really interesting take on how the undead hunt their prey.
1: I definitely will have to check it out. Because I'm, I'm, these are just, like, the stupid questions that I have to ask myself every day. Because you never know when you're going to wake up and you're going to hear the, Ugh. <laughs> And i and. Don't tell me you've never been at a horror convention and went. If if I see somebody even remotely looking like they're chewing on somebody, I'm gonna tell them they better yell they're human or I'm gonna blast them right in the middle of the head.
0: <laughs> it's weird that it's become so popular. You know, I can only imagine what you know George Romero thought of it because when I was young, you know there were couple of different kinds of horror fans you had the people who were really into slasher films or people who were really into mm-hmm. into uh vampires or whatever was popular at the time and then you had people who were really into Romero's films and Euro horror the Italian the Fulci and the Argento stuff and if you were into zombie films you were among the hardest of the hardcore back then and now it's just like i mean it's almost like uh I guess the closest thing I can think of it would be growing up in the 80s and seeing Freddy Krueger become so popular among children, you
1: know? Right. (laughs) Well, I mean,
0: think
1: about it. Um, Horror was always like this. uh, Think about it. So um, it's kind of like Marvel bringing in characters like Iron Man, who was definitely a B C class character within the comic book realm. He was never a main, you know, he wasn't the X-Men. He wasn't the Fantastic Four. He was like, just this guy that was in the comics, and most people didn't know about him until Marvel brought out the Iron Man movies, and now, like, Iron Man's this household name, but you can say a lot for the horror genre, and H.P. Lovecraft and Cthulhu, like, I can't go anywhere without somebody saying something about Cthulhu, and I'm going, when did he get popular? And that
0: that's so odd that people have latched on to that particular part of the mythos. Cthulhu is not even really much of a player within that pantheon, if you want to think of it as a pantheon. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have like Darlathotep, who's much more, I think, interesting and, you know, well-developed, and uh, all the other ones, you know, the the Dunwich Horror, you know.
1: I mean, I think it has something to do with the fact that um, he, one, he is, he's very iconic-looking, but also, he's not copywritten, which yeah. makes him very accessible to people. Because let's yeah. face it, copywriting, if it's not copywritten, people are definitely going to jump on it. People love it. That's what they do it. I just was after it because, well, I'm like, um, winged creature with tentacles. And let's not even get into the stuff that I've watched from Japan at that point. Yeah. And. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they
0: made a
1: cottage industry out of the him. And. You know, Annie can shape shift, and I'm just like the possibilities of actually being like the mistress to that entity would be fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's geez, where. That's... I... Okay, look, no, that's where I went when I was 13. Okay, it wasn't my fault. I was 13. <laughs> You're talking to someone at the age of five years old, told his her father that she was going to marry Darth Vader. So come on now. <laughs> the thing that
0: I don't think most people get about Lovecraft because they fantasies upon one particular aspect of his writing and like beat it into the ground re- rather than see the entire scope of his body of work is that by the end of his writing, you were no longer at all dealing with entities that you assume were supernatural. What you are dealing with right. are extra dimensional, extraterrestrial entities who are so powerful as to be perceived as gods by right. you know, people.
1: So I have um, to ask you, you know, yeah. Mortis, from everything that I'm looking with, the, the podcast that you do of Mortis. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying that name because I want you all to go check this thing out. Um Thank you. You've, you've done some fan- – <laughs> you're welcome. You guys have had some fantastic interviews. Whether living or dead, who's the one person that you wish you could interview today? Whether they're alive or dead. I don't care.
0: Alive or dead? Uh, Todd Browning. Good call. Todd Browning, for sure. Yeah. Uh, God, there's an interview with me from, Jesus, 10 years ago, and that's the answer I gave back then. Uh, Incredibly interesting character, uh, very flawed, very brilliant man. You have to wonder, you know, what would have happened if he hadn't, you know, kind of uh, blew his career on freaks,
1: you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, I have to ask: Did yeah. you listen to podcasts before you started Mortis, and just thought it was another great way? Okay, I, well, we're, I what, a what big were you fan of
0: podcasts?
1: What did you listen to?
0: I listened to well. I go back to Lovecraft, uh, the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast, which is brilliant. Their first couple of years, they went through every story and did a very in-depth analysis of it, and it was really good sounds very dry, I know, but uh, it's very, very entertaining. I, let's see, what else I like? I like, uh, God, anything with Kevin Smith's name on it, I've got to listen to. You know, so uh, all those, you know, like last night, I listened to, I'm a big fan of Grant Morrison, so I listened to Kevin Smith's interview with Grant Morrison on Fat Man on Batman again last night. So there's a lot that I go back to. Uh, oddly enough, not a whole lot of horror genre podcasts because I've, oh God, you will know, make me tell the truth, I think most of them are pretty bad, you know, which is why I want Mortis <laughs> to be more of a magazine format, because there's so many where it's just a bunch of guys sitting around a table, and it's just, you know, this is cool, and this is sucks, you get into the Beavis and Butthead formula, you know, and there's not very much analysis, so I want to do a magazine format show, you know, you know, like, uh, Mortis is very oddly enough. Mortis is very inspired by NPR. You know, and if, uh, no. yeah. Which, it, which if you listen to it, then you can go listen to an hour to NPR. You yeah, know, it's like you know we probably won't put you put you to sleep like NPR can, but uh, we very much modeled ourselves. We we used to bill ourselves as the NPR of the odd back in the early days. What else did I listen to? Uh, I like a lot of true crime stuff. There's uh, last podcast on the left, which is, I would recommend everyone listen to. It's uh, all true crime and paranormal and uh, just bizarre topics. And the hosts of that show, the hosts of that show, are they're just fucking hilarious. What else? What else? Yeah, there's a lot that I listen to. But uh, as far as more to discuss,
1: <laughs> It's just interesting to find out who became podcasters because they were listening to other podcasters, um, yes. they're they fans of podcasts, and then you have weird people like myself who don't listen to podcasts and became a podcaster. Well, <laughs> The
0: thing is, the two of us, um, myself and our music guy, a gentleman by the name of Shane Parkey, we both have you know decades-long careers in broadcasting before ever thinking about doing a podcast. You know, we both come out of uh, television, you know, network and affiliate television. So we went in with a whole lot of knowledge, and we're comfortable with the technical side of it, which I think gave us an edge. Shane is also a brilliant music- musician whose band, the Phantom Operators, are a huge key to our success. We have all original music, and um, you know, go to Bandcamp and check out the Phantom Operators or you know, Bandcamp for any of those music. So it's will once sticks in my mind. But uh the Phantom Operators are kind of a surf spy band in the mold of the Ghastly Ones or Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. Instrumental and very cool, very moody music.
1: <laughs> That's so cool that you guys get your own music. I don't have music. <laughs> <laughs> no, well let's, just... let's face it. I jumped into this, and the water was freezing cold, and I was like, I'm already in here, and I'm not getting out, so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I find the key to success in podcasting is outlast. Outlast everyone. You know, every time I see that a horror podcast has, uh, you know, stopped, gone out of, uh, gone out of being, you know, people have given up, you know, it's like, God, that's horrible, you know, that's, you know, one ally less, but on the other side of it, hey, we're still around. You know, the field is small, right. <laughs> as horrible as that sounds. Yeah, it's, but
1: it's, you guys have been around since when? Uh,
0: 2015.
1: Dude, that's not too bad. That's two years. I mean, I know a lot of past podcasts that don't make it past their first year.
0: Oh, yeah. I know a lot that never make it past their first episode.
1: That's true, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So why did you decide to do uh, the live thing? Because that's a hell of a lot harder than what we do when it comes right down to the performance of the show.
1: Editing. Editing. I don't yeah, I like it and I I don't like to edit. It is as simple as that. I yeah. try to So, um, AGP has undergone a lot of different changes start because we actually started back in 2012. And at first I was like a once in a blue moon type podcast, whenever I could get one done and I was recording and editing. And then um, I got some feedback and they're like, dude, um, you lose all of your personality because I would edit everything that I am out, my laughs, my, my quirkiness, I would edit it out. And so I was like, I lose half, I lose 98% of my what my show is really about, which is being the host that It isn't just a straight-up interview. It's hanging out with somebody who you think I've been best friends with since I was five years old and being able to talk about goofy, nerdy stuff, whether no matter what genre it is. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then I tried the co-host, and that didn't work out really well either because it was me doing all the work and then wanting to ask all the questions. And so I came up with this, something live me sitting down with a person or sitting down with a group of people and just one it is yes technically an interview but it's more that laid-back couch type interview like someone always goes would you interview a celebrity i was like yeah what type of questions would they would you ask do you like playing video games yes dude have you tried this one that would literally be my interview with a celebrity (laughs) have you have you got to interviewing celebrities yet I, you and Steven have actually been my most popular people I've ever yeah. had on my show.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, you've you went way beyond the D list on, on 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 these guests at
1: this point. Ninety eight percent of everybody that I've ever had on my show has definitely been more independent or other yeah. podcasters. Right. Um, I would say the most famous person I've had is a guy named Mark Kidwell. He's really well known for working with Image Comics, working on the zombie apocalypse, which takes place in 1968, called 68. Um, he's worked with Robert Kurtzman with um, some of the Kevin Smith films like Yoga Hoser and Tusk. And he's probably my popular um person that I've ever had on the show and it was funny because he went out to dinner forgot that he had to do the podcast one day and I called him up on his phone and he's like oh crap I forgot and I'm like well what are you doing he's like I'm at dinner he's like hold on he runs outside and does the podcast with me next to the dumpster behind the restaurant that they are eating at (laughs)
0: that's awesome that's really cool
1: I was like are you kidding me dude seriously so yeah I really haven't branched out into the celebrities um just because i haven't had the opportunity to yeah
0: i, I bet you have, if you're like me you have a lot of people who ask you how you do it as far as how do you talk to people how do you get guests and or in my case sometimes how do you get published it's like i have i can't answer this question i mean you just kind of do it or um, you don't do it. <laughs> I
1: mean, well talk show is absolutely free talk show allows anybody to have a podcast um as in on itunes i just sent in a request they were and because itunes does review your podcast before they put you up on itunes so they reviewed it so obviously i'm good enough to be on itunes because they put me up they put me up like two weeks after i put in the request which is absolutely fantastic the live aspect just comes from the fact that i don't want to edit one i don't like the sound of my voice and two i take too much of my personality out of it and actually doing live doesn't really stress me out because i'm a talker anyway Right. I've been talking to people since I I started conventions at 19. Been talking to people since I was 19. By the way, this is my cast podcast. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, you told me you would do this, and you flipped it on me. You, you're 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 a bad person, Will. <laughs> you're bad.
0: <laughs> no, it's like I I'm I've interviewed people for so long. and I just kind of slide into it, you know. <laughs> Okay, ask them uh, more
1: questions. Keep them coming. But no, what got me, since you're asking, what got me into the podcasting was I had, this is back in those cliche days of you're a girl. Mm -hmm. And so I got asked to be on a Doctor Who podcast and I got asked to be on a horror podcast because they're like, oh, we want a female's perspective of this, which at first to me sounded very derogatory but I was like you know what I'm going to show the world that to me it doesn't matter if you're male or female it's just being a fan of something and I went on and I was like well I can do this I do intro I did um I worked with my dad who worked for uh, not my real dad but um my Florida dad because when I I moved to Florida when I was like 19 and kind of went under the wing of this older couple and we would go to Dragon Con every year in Atlanta, Georgia, and he put me under his wing and introduced me to people like Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica and Lou Ferrigno. And I, he taught me how to do interviews with people like that. So I have done interviews with celebrities, just not podcast-wise, more in okay. newspaper standards. And he taught me everything that I really needed to know about introducing yourself, not fanning out in front of somebody, and I just it just came second nature. And eventually I was like, you know what, now that the technology has gotten to the point where I don't have to have all these odds and ends and there's a way to do this, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have fun with it. And I don't care if anybody listens or if everybody listens, I'm going to throw it out there and have fun.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. You you can't do anything with, uh, you know, with an audience in mind. I find, I think it's, uh, you know you've got to please yourself before you can please anyone else
1: oh yeah and i have fun i get to meet fantastic people i got to meet steven i got to meet you and if and you know how do you you talk about finding guests for the show so how do you guys go about finding guests for your show
0: oh jeez you know uh you, you look at who you already know and then you uh write emails and you mine the Internet and you mine IMDB for uh, agents' numbers and addresses. And uh, there's no single way to get a guest. You know, there's no method. Things uh, things kind of fall in line following your intention to do it. You know, I, I get, like I said, you know, people ask me how you do this. I, I don't know, you know. You just kind yeah. of do it. It's very zen you know
1: and 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 the thing is is you know like you said before you had already worked at things like television stuff like that so you had already made some connections which does make it slightly easier to be able to get a few people onto your show me oh yeah yeah i mean my
0: my background as a journalist is you know probably a hundred percent of you know the contacts you know to the guests that we've had on the show you know i already have you know a degree of I don't know if I call it notoriety, uh, maybe infamy, maybe uh you know, just enough visibility where people know me and know my reputation as a writer, you know, they know that I'm not gonna put their phone number on the internet, you know. Oh, know God. I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna ask stupid <laughs> questions, you know, I'm gonna ask smart questions um, so, and
1: yeah, a I, lot of it
0: is you know, building a reputation and then maintaining that.
1: Well it's like you know, people are like, how do you always stay booked? It's like, I get lucky. Uh, you know, I yeah. had Sean who introduced me to Steven and then Steven introduced me to you. And I'm just able to constantly be able to get people through just meeting new people every day.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's like, uh, it's like a ladder. It's like uh stacking blocks, you know? the next block is a little bit more of the structure, and then eventually you have a whole pyramid or whatever.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, are you more the slasher? Are you the more suspense? Or do you love it all when it comes to horror?
0: Okay, well, there are very specific things that I love about horror. Uh, A lot of my opinions about the genre are unpopular. You know, I'm not a fan of slashers beyond... A very specific view. Um, I find it uh, a pretty misogynist uh, subgenre for the most part, and not very original. I mean, once you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, and Friday, Nightmare on
1: Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs>
0: Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. It's like I really do not like that particular franchise and really never have. I mean, I've got a little bit of nostalgic attachment to it because that swap was popular when I was a kid. And it was, you know, the Ride of Passage. You see all your friends over to sleep over and you watch Friday the 13th. But as a film, I think it functions as an awesome resume tape for Tom Savini's effects. And that's about mm-hmm. it. Um, Even yeah, though you I, have
1: to admit, the first one, spoilers, <laughs> it's Mommy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, the late great Bessie Palmer there Pamela Voorhees. But uh yeah, not not a slasher fan. I mean I've kind of uh oh gee, suspense. I love suspense. I mean uh you know, obviously love Alfred Hitchcock, you know, I'll sit down with Hitchcock film probably every couple of weeks and watch watch one of those. But as for the genre as horror, I've kind of gone back to what got me interested in horror to begin with, which is uh, you know the old hammer films, the old universal films. You know, I'm very much into, into those classics and there's quite a bit of violent film that I enjoy also. Uh, I think I spoke earlier that I' just done this big article on folk horror and that's probably mm-hmm. my favorite subgenre at the moment. I like Euro horror, I like the stuff from the uh, 70s and early 80s. I'm not much of a big 80s horror fan either. It kind of makes my skin crawl when I see that, you know, that meme that everyone puts on the internet, by heart 80s horror. It's like, really? You know? <laughs> I remember a whole lot of bitching about uh, slasher sequels back in the 80s, like they complain about slasher remakes today.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. There's, like, how many Friday the 13th and Halloweens and Nightmare on Elm Streets out there nowadays? Lord have mercy. We're not even talking about the actual remake remakes. We're just talking yeah. about the sequels to those. Right, right. Yeah, if it wasn't for the 80s, we wouldn't have Return of the Living Dead, which gave us the infamous brains.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan O'Bannon did a great job with that
1: film. Because, believe it or not, most people don't know that that was the first time zombies went brains.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think it's been downhill ever since. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's pretty much been it. You know Yeah, I, and I, I love that. Yeah, the second one is is uh, underrated, I think, of that franchise, Return of the Living Dead. But um, you know, if I have to, you know, sit down and judge those two films as they came out. um, speaking of Day of the Dead, Romero's third zombie film, which, let's be honest, that's where. George's films end uh, or not overall end but that's where George's Living Dead films end is with Day of the Dead let's be honest Day of the uh,
1: Dead is that the one that John Leguizamo and the city and yeah, they yeah. start getting smarter
0: no no that was uh, that's Land of the Dead Day of, the dead, of the dead is is from uh, it was released the same year as Return of the Living Dead that was 80, 85, 86
1: Day, that's the one where they're in the bunker
0: Right, yeah, yeah, they're in the. But the guy the,
1: gets ripped apart. At the yeah. yeah, that smug gets ripped apart.
0: Yeah, yeah, good old uh, Joe Pilato, who I once had. Uh, God, I had a really, really weird experience where I wound up having dinner with the entire cast of Day and Dawn of the Dead, which is another story for another time. But uh, yeah, I don't want. Like, I'm that's something else that uh, that makes me unpopular in some respects is that I don't like horror comedy. As a rule, I think there's probably a handful of them that actually work. Return of the Living Dead being one of those. Uh but yeah, not a fan of uh not a fan of horror comedy, not a not a huge
1: What about fan. Shaun of the Dead?
0: Shaun of the Dead is yeah, that's another one. That's another one on my list. Also probably okay. Little Dead too.
1: If you if you would have said Shaun of the Dead wasn't funny, I would have ended the podcast right here. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and those it. guys are such fans, you know. <laughs> yeah, They're, they're uh, such fans and so knowledgeable of that genre, you know. But, I mean, the one that gets overlooked is Hot Fuzz, which, you know, comes oh. back to the whole folk horror thing, you know. I mean, you watch, watch uh, the original Wicker Man, then watch Hot Fuzz, and you that's mm-hmm. uh, a fun evening right there.
1: And I do love the fact that you said watch the original Wicker Man, not the yeah. Nicolas Cage Wicker Man. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, yeah, that a uh, blasphemy. Wicker Man has probably become my favorite horror film of all time. For many years, I always said George is not it because it was the one that really kind of got me into film criticism, film theory, and looking at a film beyond you know just what you know the plot is. You know, looking for you know meaning within the story and within editing. But yeah, *Wicker Man* brilliant, brilliant film. Oh will
1: and again, we're talking the original, not the bees.
0: Yeah, yeah Robin Hardy, the uh, 70s, Christopher Lee, Britt Eklund. Yeah, yeah. and Stephen did a, uh, a review of those for Mortis, the original and the remake, and I'm going to do a rebuttal because uh, there's some stuff on there I think you missed the mark on by Good Country Mile, including the soundtrack. <laughs> I hope he's listening. Uh, <laughs> but that's my favorite stuff right now. I like uh, I like the British folk car and the folk car stuff right now. I like Wicker Wickerman, um, uh, Conqueror Worm, also known as Witchfinder General. Mm-hmm. One of Vincent Price's probably creepiest, most serious roles. Uh, God, what like Blood on Satan's Claw, which is a brilliant film. Um, newer stuff. They're kind of. There's kind of a revival of the folk horror subgenre going on right now. Uh, the Witch. Have you seen The Witch?
1: I have not. It is on my list. I was just hoping to Netflix.
0: Yeah. Super smart, very creepy film. Another one that I like a whole lot, which is uh, certainly not going to be probably most horror, most horror fans' cup of tea, is a film called A Field in England. Which is uh really, really interesting. If you if you like David Lynch, you'll probably dig a field in England. I, I will
1: definitely like. def- check it up. Um, so you I I can't remember the name of it. Um there is a horror film. We re we re re redid it, but I think it's in Spanish originally. It's the one where there's the news reporter goes into like a hotel or something and there's like this outbreak. Rick. Is it called Outbreak? Outbreak.
0: Uh, yes. the, the American remake is Outbreak. I think no, Outbreak. Yeah. is uh, Jesus, what is the name like, of it?
1: Like the original, the yeah. Spanish version? It is Spanish, right? Uh, yes. Okay, see? I, I remember. That right. was fantastic. First, third, I don't know what America did to it. That was
0: horrible. Yeah. Those Wreck films, those first two are really good. The third one is uh, – I think there's four now. Yeah, there's four. Um, The third one's pretty silly, but it's still a lot of fun.
1: Um, It's just, sometimes there's just something about watching, um, like, let the right one in. Mm -hmm. Watching the original is absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to say that the remake was absolutely horrid. It really wasn't. Yeah. But the original, there's just so much more to it. And it's absolutely fantastic. And I love movies like that.
0: Yeah, I'm willing to give anything a fair shake. You know, I mean, there's a lot of fans out there, like... Immediately against a remake, and you know I'll give it a fair shot. You know I think The Ring is a very good remake of a foreign film.
1: That was actually uh, a decent remake of a foreign film, even though the first, the original is way creepier.
0: For sure, but I think it was really well done. Um, oh God, I mean when it comes right down to it, the genre was built on remakes. I mean how many, I mean how many Dracula and Frankenstein films have there been? You know. Right. I can't get enough
1: of them myself, you know. Oh, no. Even though the Wolfman was horrible, the 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 one that they did a few what was it like ten years ago or something like that with um, yeah. Anthony Hopkins that was thought, horrible. Never saw it. Never saw it. Don't just don't spare yourself. It's not that great. I'd no. rather watch the original over yeah. and over again. Even though I have to say, um, I don't know about you. My favorite Universal monster creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah,
0: I love the creature. He is uh, represented in ink in my arm here, along with some other uh, universal
1: favorites. That is fantastic. I love the fact that you, you, ah! I've always been, I actually got to meet um, the guy who did like the Water Suns, Riku Browning. I got Mm -hmm. to meet him. It was yeah. so funny. I was working at a convention. He was there. I got to pick him up from the airport and get him back to his hotel. And as soon as he, as soon as he was away from my site, I fangirled out. Like, everybody started making fun of me. I was like, shut up. You do not understand this by any means.
0: <laughs> Did you ever get to meet Ben Chapman? No. The other guy? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't to meet Ben Chapman. He was supposed to be at a convention that I went to years ago, and – couldn't make it and uh, he passed away not long after that. So that's, uh, that, that was kind of sad. But I mean, uh, Rico's still going strong, isn't
1: he? Oh, yeah. And he is the nicest person you'll ever meet. So I'm sitting there and I'm talk- talking to him. And he goes, So how much of a fan are you? And so I was like, Okay, here's my moment to fangirl without actually fangirling. He's like, You really are a fan. And he's like, Here, have this have this po- have this picture and he signed it And here's this one and he signed it and he's like and i got this collector's box set of the universal uh release of the- and like i walked away from his table with, like all this stuff and i'm like i love you
0: like i really do
1: <laughs> now <laughs> like you're like the coolest person ever <laughs> it, he's cool. just such
0: a sweet yeah yeah and those films are so good i mean you know not not just the creature but all of those those universal films are and they still work if you can put yourself, you know, in the right mood to sit down with them, you know. I I talked to people there's a journalist I know uh, and she said that she thought they were a chore to watch. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? This is the you know, this is the bedrock of the genre. I mean if you don't have this, you know, none of this garbage that you likes around you
1: <laughs> Right. It's like and I mean, there's like the eight, a lot of people. This this movie got very over um, overshadowed because it came out around the same time as Goonies did. But the Monster Squad kind of like uh, was like I, kind of bringing it back. And I, I I'm a huge fan of the Monster Squad. Oh God, you had to do this to me, didn't you?
0: This is probably, like I, probably I probably get more shit for this than you've mentioned two films actually. I dislike the Goonies and I detest the Monster Squad. I'm
1: so sorry. You're shaming my bad. You. I don't care <laughs> what you. He still has Nards, all right. <laughs> not not a fan of either of those. But uh, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, as a little girl, I was just t- I was just totally entranced with Duncan Regan as Dracula yeah. in Monster Squad. I mean yeah. he he was the hottest thing ever and then I and it only helped the fact that he was in the V television series mm-hmm. like not the mini series but when it became a television series and they right. like took away the iconic voices and everything. I I think it was he played Charles in it. I yeah. was like, yep, he's so hot. That's my <laughs> next husband. <laughs> my dad's going, like eight I'm like, I don't care. That's my husband. It's like I'm it's like when I was twelve, Sean Connery. Manda, do you know how old he is? I don't care, Sean Connery's my husband.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're in good company with uh with that one for sure. But yeah, that's another thing, you know, so I'm I'm not gonna you know, there are things I don't like, but I'm not gonna, you know, like go after someone's fandom or their taste, you know, it's like I get a lot of crap for uh my thoughts on Twilight. Which is it's not for me, you know. <laughs> it's do so so I like it? So no, you, but it wasn't made for okay. me, you know. It's not and that you know that's a that could be a gateway drug to a whole lot of good stuff, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna shit in some twelve year old girl's mouth for digging Twilight, you know. She watched Twilight, she might pick up Salem's Lot or Dracula. You know?
1: So like for so I will agree with you there, but when it comes to, I I it, <laughs> The first Twilight movie bored me so much, yeah. bored me so much. I hadn't fell asleep in a movie so many times since Star Trek, the motion picture. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, It took eight viewings for me to finally watch Twilight the first time all the way through, because I fell asleep eight times trying to watch this movie.
0: Yeah, I'm n- I've never watched them, but I mean, they're like I said, they're not for me. I'm not that target audience. You know, it might, at some point, I might sit down and watch them. I'll judge them what they are. I'm probably not going to like them. But on the other yeah. hand, you see a lot of fans, a lot of horror fans who just want to like harp on this Twilight thing. Like, this is the hill that they want to die on, hating Twilight. Like, why? Don't bother hating stuff. Go celebrate the stuff that you love,
1: okay? Here's my thing. Don't attack it. I mean, look, all movies are going to get attacked. And the story, yeah. whether they're good or bad. Me, right. it wasn't even the fact that of, of it being a horror movie to me. They're just bad movies. Yeah. Period. They made a lot of movie. They made a lot of money at the box office. Granted, but they were bad movies. But let's like, right. face it. When I was a kid, I watched bad movies. I own bad movies. I have Masters of the Universe in my collection. Ooh,
0: ooh, ooh, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, come
0: Perfectly
1: on. Cast, but... <laughs> <laughs> Is it a horrible movie? Yes, did I enjoy it as a kid? It was a He-Man movie, of course I did. <laughs> I got to see He-Man on the big screen. As a 3-year-old, it was fantastic. As a 40-year-old woman, oh my god. <laughs> it's I'm, like the...
0: still entertaining after a beer or two, you
1: know. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> a beer or two and about 15 tequila shots. <laughs> Talk about something that needs a remake. Hello, right there. Movies that don't need remakes: Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. Leave them alone.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Don't touch anything David Bowie was ever in. You know, <laughs> just don't. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, well, let's face it. Who could fill his pants? Ha ha. Yeah. For sure. Uh, <laughs>
0: remakes. Uh, I quite mm, like the Halloween remakes that Rob Zombie did.
1: See and he, I
0: didn't. did it. He did the only thing that he could do with them. I mean, you are not, that's a fight that you're not gonna win, remaking that film. And if you're that big of a fan, do you take on that job knowing that someone who does not care as much about it as you do, do you want them to do it or do you want to do it? Which was I think right. was one of the positions that Rob was in. I was actually on actually on the set of the second one and interviewed Rob. And uh, you know, love him or hate him, he does exactly what the hell he wants to do. And, and I admire and respect that. And I will never say a bad thing about Rob Zombie.
1: Oh, I will never say a bad thing about Rob Zombie. I just personally didn't like the remake. And and for me it was more I I'm not saying that the whole thing was bad. I just didn't yeah. really want that pretty cool. I, there was something about the suspense of not understanding why the little boy just butchered his sister that yeah. left some suspense, and I I liked that about the original. Oh, spoiler, yeah. in case you haven't seen the remake. Yeah. But, I mean, let's face it. That remake is nowhere near as bad as the Friday the 13th or the Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: The Nightmare on Elm Street remake is horrible. <laughs> I mean, it is like... I mean, it's like trying to shoehorn Pretty Krueger into some kind of, you know, sympathetic character arc. Because no, he's a child molester. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's
1: a child, and you knew he was when you watched the originals.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. As far as a Friday the Thirteenth remake,
1: I have no idea how you remake a
0: Friday the Thirteenth film. Haven't seen it, it's cause, but I don't need to see it because I know exactly what it's about.
1: <laughs> yeah, you really don't. It's it. No, I'll just. I'll just rewatch the original and watch Kevin Bacon get skewered through the neck. I'm cool yeah, with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, but then you do have some really fantastic things that a lot of people were totally afraid of, but ended up actually being. They weren't. One of them wasn't even a remake. The thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The the second one that came out. What was it? 2011 was it? Right. That was actually a prequel, which was yeah. so beautifully done, all the way down to the details to where you can watch that one and then watch the original with oh, Kurt wow. Russell big back to that.
0: Big fan of Carpenter's version. I kind of consciously avoided that, fo- that prequel, so I guess I need to check it out now. So on oh, yeah.
1: Yes, for by my recommendation, you are absolutely – and trust me, Stephen will tell you the same thing. You really should watch it. So Stop this it. isn't much of a spoiler for you, but you remember the original and they go over to the camp after the dog leaves. And there's that one scene where you see the guy where he cut his wrist and the blood freezes before it touches the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. They actually have that in the prequel. Oh. Like they put so much detail into it, so you can literally watch them back to back. It's like watching Rogue One and going straight into A New Hope. It's just uh-huh. that well done.
0: All right, all right, y'all have to check that out for sure. I'm also a fan of you know the original, you know the James Arness, Howard. Oh Paul. yeah,
1: yeah. I That's I'm a, uh, the see that scene from the from the original thing with the dogs terrifies me every time I watch it. I'm like, I can't watch this. Oh, no, I just really can't.
0: You know what? Now's yeah. a
1: really good time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have to ask, as we are talking about remake sequels or prequels that have been made, It. It?
0: Uh, are- I am
1: looking forward to it. I, it's the first movie that hasn't even out yet that I got a jump scare from a trailer. Oh, really? I have never, never in the history of watching horror movies. Matter of fact, watching things like Friday the 13th, my mom would thought that there was something wrong with me because I would laugh because it was just that. There was, even at eight years old, I realized how bad they actually were, and I would laugh at them. Right. But other than the, the terrifying scene from pet cemetery when gabe is hiding underneath the bed and is about to uh cut open um i always call him herman munster (laughs) 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 but he's about to cut open herman munster's basically his achilles heel and you just get that cringing feeling but i can watch it it wasn't really a jump scare it's just that feeling of oh that's gonna hurt because i've skinned that before and it hurts yeah, but I was watching the trailer and I can't even remember what which scene it was. And it, there was just this—I almost fell backwards out of my computer chair. And I'm like, I have to go see this now, <laughs> desperately. Yeah, that, it, and,
0: yeah, as I understand that they're doing two films. The first one is yeah. the kids, and the second one is the adults.
1: Exactly. Yeah, which, which I think is fantastic. I think that pays really great homage to the television miniseries that they did because they had the two television miniseries. There's the first half, which was all about the kids, and then the second half, which is the adults. And I thought that was really fantastic. Plus, what is it? Every 28, 29 years he comes back, and that puts it right at the compass of when um, the television miniseries ended. And it puts it right at the time when he's actually supposed to come back.
0: Right. Have you watched the television miniseries lately?
1: Um, no, but it is a Tim Curry thing, and when it comes to Tim Curry, I remember most of his stuff very vividly. Tim Curry's the best
0: thing about it. I mean, Tim Curry, in my eyes, could never do any wrong, but other than Tim Curry, it's pretty, pretty dreadful on the whole. Which is why I'm so excited about the the new theatrical version. i will be able to actually, you know, go for broke with it, you know, like you want with a Stephen King film.
1: Right, and not to mention the fact that it's going to be able to do so much more that they were limited back in the time. Because if you read the book, he does he's so much more than just a clown. Yeah. He does do so many transfer, transformations that yeah. it's absolutely, and let's face it, the big climactic end where, spoilers. Problematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, the the spoiler from the original where he's a big giant spider, they don't really take the time to explain to you the reason why they see a giant spider is the fact that, and if you haven't read the book, another huge spoiler right here, three, two, one, our minds can't comprehend what he is.
0: Yeah, which makes it very Lovecraftian in that sense.
1: So we see what we have. It's almost like, He's a um, bogart from like Harry Potter, and you're just going to see your worst fear. Which, yeah, spider, that would work for me.
0: Yeah, and the other part of that ending is what kind of makes the book not entirely work, which is the weird sex thing at the end of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I just, I, uh, I think, I think, I love Big Steve. I, I don't think that ending in the book works. I think there was a very definite place where that book ended. It ended, and he ended it twice, two more times after that. But uh, you know, that was uh, that was the eighties, and he was doing a whole lot of coke, and editors were not telling him no because he was you know <laughs> making money hand over fist for those people.
1: He's Stephen FF, F, I mean King, so yeah. they, you know, who's going to tell him no? And right. you know, hey, at least it only had two endings. It wasn't like Return of the King where you're like, okay, does this thing ever end? ever <laughs> really because like we could have ended it there and then there and i've got pee. can we end this thing <laughs> <laughs> so i have to, so you've done journalism you're into the podcast you know we talk a little bit about who you would love to talk about what else is on the horizon for you something else that you might want to venture out and try and do
0: oh jeez. um you know, I actually got into all this. I, mean, I have a degree in English and film studies, so I've kind of tried to work those two academic pursuits into what I do now. But, you know, I originally got into broadcasting because I wanted to be a filmmaker. You know, I would, you know, love to raise some money and shoot something at some point. Um, you know, I've had a degree of traditional um, success in writing fiction of being, you know, legitimately published. When I first started out, I was a writer of short stories and had a few published. I wish I had time to do that, but uh, that may be on the horizon. Um, Watch out, Stephen.
1: He wants to turn your books into films.
0: (laughs) Uh, Stephen's perfectly capable of turning his own books into films and uh, should,
1: I think. But...
0: Uh, but he said
1: he didn't want to go back to filmmaking. So
0: see, there there you go. The thing that Stephen doesn't doesn't enjoy the technical side of it, and I always have, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like to. I would like to do something, you know, out of the out of the realms of journalism and nonfiction, and maybe you know put together another put, – put together a book of short stories that I've written. I've got ideas. I'm sure I would love to do a film at some time, you know. Um, God, I love music, you know. Uh, I'd like to be in a band again, you know. Uh, <laughs>
1: so basically he just it. wants to conquer the things that he didn't conquer before, but he's already dabbled in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like uh, I can do all kinds of things that you can't make any money at. So I would like to go back and do some more, you know, knowing what I know now about – just from doing the journalism side. I mean, nope. in many ways, nope. I mean, this is exactly what I've always wanted to do, you know.
1: I can uh, help you with the film. I know the perfect film. It's a comic book. If you haven't read it, I can get you copies absolutely free. It's called Bump. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's actually um, – remember the guy that I was telling you about? His name is uh, Mark Kidwell. Yeah. Um He he. It was from Fangoria Comics. Um, it's definitely a gore fest type uh, comic book. Um, you could definitely see hints of Cthulhu and Creature of the Black Lagoon. He's a huge fan, like we are, of horror. Oh, which, cool. if you've never interviewed him, you really need to. Oh, cool. um, <laughs> you're welcome, Mark. <laughs> Um, him and um Robert Kurtzman, and I know you know who Robert Kurtzman is. Oh yeah, yeah. Interview. I've got
0: an interview with Robert Kurtzman that actually Stephen did. That's in the can for a future episode of Mortis.
1: Oh, good. Next time you yeah. interview, him be like, bump, because originally back in like 2007, Robert Kurtzman wanted to turn it into an actual motion picture. Oh, um, he was going to be the director and um, he was going to do some of the special effects on it I actually do have the movie poster that they had put up for promotions for it and then stuff just kind of you, know, you know how it is in the film industry one thing happens something else happens and then it gets put on a back burner right and that's pretty much what it happened but now there's possible talks of it happening again and I told Mark okay that's great can I die in it <laughs> Look, nice. i look not thin enough to be the lead female character. I'm not thin or pretty enough for that, but I'm more than happy to be the semi-pudgy person who gets slaughtered in it. I'm okay with that. Just make my blood <laughs> splatter everywhere like a freaking Raimi's movie, and I'm totally cool.
0: Very nice. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, yeah. talk about you know, what, what I would like to do. I guess it's inevitable that I will write a book about the genre at some point, the uh, kind of bedwetting academics I've always been. I've always approached horror as a scholar first and then a fan. Um, so I would like to do something probably in the vein of uh, you know, David Scal's Monster Show. I don't know, do you know who David Scal is? Yes, I do. Dave, oh God, Dave, my hero! I got to interview David one time. Uh um, huh fucking brilliant human being knows has forgotten more about the horror genre than you know any number of people combined can remember. He was just brilliant, my hero. Uh I'd like to do something in the vein of uh, his monster show book, you know for my generation, you know. Um yeah, something like that, you know, God, you know, I just think I would like uh you know, just to continue exploring this genre and trying to figure out where it fits in to culture as a whole and how it affects and is affected by uh, you know the 21st century uh, culture in general. you know? it's, That would uh, be fascinating. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's what I've always tried to do. That's one of the reasons I started Mortis was because I had a lot of pointy-headed ideas about horror and wasn't really seeing a venue to publish this kind of writing. Now, over at Exploitation Nation, you know, I've known those people for a long time, and they like me and they trust what I do, and I want to provide a good product for them. And they leave me alone and let me be as, uh, you know, uh, completely, you know, professorial and nerdy as I want to be with stuff. But,
1: uh, yeah, yeah,
0: that's uh, that's been my goal as a fan always, is to support and celebrate this genre first and, you know, not do things to celebrate my ego, you know, because, you know, Frankenstein is going to stand the test of time, you know, if I write a really killer thesis about Frankenstein, that becomes part of that legacy. My name will be forgotten. Mary Shelley and Frankenstein are immortal, you know. I can only hope to be part of that long tradition so you know i'm not about you know putting my name out there and you know i'm, gr- I'm grateful for your the, name's the already I had. out there william well i'm grateful to, for the notoriety i had I'm, and i've been incredibly lucky um and i've worked really really hard <laughs> but uh my goal has always been you know put this genre in the writing and uh the knowledge first and then you know if I get a little uh you know if I get a little on the back end that's okay, you know. It's always fun to be paid too, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah they say go back to Stephen King. Stephen King once said that uh, you're not a real writer until you know you've written something, put in an envelope, send it to New York, got a check back and then paid your rent with it. And I am fortunate enough to have actually done that. And so few fans get to do that, even the ones who become writers, you know, who write. So right. And the people that I've met, you know, I've met all my heroes, become friends with some of them. And it's like, that's not supposed to happen? Who's that happened to? You know, it's like, you can never let your ego get in the way and think, well, I'm a star too. You know. No, no I
1: mean, uh-huh.
0: I'm I'm lucky as hell and very, very fortunate and you know, uh if anything it's sticking to it. You know, that's that's been you know, my my focus is not giving up. So I have to so I get to do things like this.
1: And, seems... and I'm really glad that you said that, yeah. not only that it's been luck, but because you've, per- you know, you, you've you stuck with it, because a lot of people get into things like, you know, podcasting or something like this. And for the most part, it ends up being a labor of love. You can't get into the city that you're going to be absolutely famous or anything, because nine times out of 10, it's the roll of the dice. And yeah. that D20 may come up as a 20, but a lot of times it comes up as a one.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When he always hits, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no. Yeah. It's
1: it's more than just hard work. There is a lot of luck being involved with meeting the right people at the right places at the right time too in this industry. You've
0: got to create your luck too. You have to put yourself in a position. You have to put yourself out there. Uh, you can't be so timid as to just stay in your small pond and be content to be that big fish in that little puddle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I mean you've got if you're a writer you got to get your work out in front of other people you know I think self-publishing is a wonderful thing and it's a cool way to get work out there but on the other hand you know there's something to be said about you know the validity of a traditional um, publishing path you know um, it's really a, if nothing else it will cause you to callous over and get a really thick skin, which will help you in every area of your life.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, I mean, what's the worst that somebody can say? No.
0: No. Yeah, that's it. That's all they can say. Yeah, that's the thing. You'd be surprised at uh, how many times you get yes. though. And you'll never know unless you ask.
1: Right. I think one of the best inspirational stories I ever heard was uh, from Frank Miller. You know, everybody knows who Frank Miller is Oh, yeah. Everybody knows who he is. Back when Frank Miller was starting... Every day, he would go to uh, Neil Adams' place, and everybody shouldn't if you know anything about comics, y'all know Neil Adams is a huge name within the comic industry. And Neil Adams would constantly berate him and tell him how horrible he is and that yeah. he would never make it into this company. Look where he's at now. Right. For sure. It's yeah. There – and that, and and he made his way. He's he wouldn't take no for an answer, and no matter how many times he was told no, he was there the next day. Going, hey, look at this, Great me again. Go ahead, do it. I dare you, do it. <laughs> and it's, it's just it's funny to see, you know, because not everybody. You have to work for it, but you have to love what you're doing. If you don't like what you're doing, it's going to show in the work that you do. Sure.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing, the other part of it is, it is work. No kidding. The sitting down and doing it is work. I mean, it's fun to have a finished product. That's my favorite part of it. I like seeing my name in print. That's more gratifying than a check for me. Um, Check size too. But, um, (laughs) you know, uh, it's uh, Hunter S. Thompson compared, called writing chopping wood, you know, and that's a very apt metaphor. It is chopping wood.
1: Yeah, it really is a really great metaphor for it. Not that I'm a writer, because there's a reason why. It's funny. I have so many great stories. I would definitely be the person who would record it and go, here, decipher this and write it down for me. Because it can go from my head to my mouth, but from my mouth to my hand, it doesn't work real well.
0: (laughs) See, now I've always had the other problems like i think i'm kind of horrible one-on-one pretty good with a crowd but uh me and a piece of paper or you know right there you know
1: <laughs> well trust me you're fine one-on-one you're doing absolutely fantastic today
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm faking it pretty well i guess but uh thank you <laughs> <laughs>
1: So um, we talked a little, We touched a little bit about the fact that you've gone to conventions to meet people. Do you go to conventions also with a table with mortar set up to be able to do podcasts there, live at the shows or anything?
0: You know, we have never done a live show. We attempted to do one once, but I'm such a control freak about the uh, quality that uh, it's really not worth our time. And when we're at a convention, you know, I kind of – I don't want to work, you know. <laughs> I want to hang out, you know. I want the party to be a party. So uh, basically, when we do convention things, it's usually Shane and I and Stephen, and uh, we hang out the table and you know harass passersby. But as far <laughs> as doing, doing a live show, it's like yeah, it's the way the way we do it. Now, I've done two live interviews on location. I interviewed Fred the Hammer Williamson and um, oh jeez, who was the other one?
1: Um, I don't know. Oh God. You uh, inter- you interviewed God? Wow, how was that?
0: Not not as good as you'd think, actually. Uh, <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> well, I can't remember
0: her name. The original Wednesday Adams. Um, oh, um I know um, who you're talking
1: about. Uh, God,
0: this is horrible. She's an awesome guest. Um, but anyway, yeah, we did. I, I did live at a convention with them, and it's just I can't control the environment, and uh, you know, and I'm taking this back to edit it, and I just that's I, stuff that I'd rather not deal with. I'd rather have a controlled environment for the show. You know, it doesn't what we do doesn't really lend itself to a live sort of thing.
1: Um, Lisa Loring.
0: Lisa Loring, yeah, yeah. Lisa Loring, who was an awesome interview. Very interesting, uh, interesting person and a lot of fun.
1: I wonder how many people will listen to this and go, you mean Christina Ricci? No, I know exactly who (laughs) he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I was like, I was like that. Yeah, Lisa, uh, she, I, I got to meet her shortly one time at DragonCon. She seemed like such a nice person.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a partier, has been for a long, long time, too. She's a lot of fun. <laughs>
1: uh, so now the next question is, so when? how do I convince you that you want to come to one of my shows?
0: Uh, let's see. I need uh, I need a table, and uh, that's
1: about it. I mean... <laughs> That's all you need is a table. You would get your own hotel room? Seriously? Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've never I've never been one of those people that like for convention appearances. I don't need travel, I don't need a hotel, I'll take care of that myself. You know, just give me a place to sit, give me uh you know, a place to talk, you know, if you're doing panels. I love doing panels.
1: Oh, you'll be on the I I could do that since I do the podcast panel. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's all yeah, a table and a panel, you know, it's a Hell, sometimes I don't even need the table. Just
1: give me the panels. You know, I'll do it. Well, well that's talk. Talk about could, The panel, I could give you a panel. That's easy. I run the panels. That's not a problem.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: <laughs> how many do you want? A podcast and a horror one. Done. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is how you run business while still doing an interview. People, just take. Go ahead and take notes. <laughs> So we are almost out of time. We're down to the last twenty minutes of the show. Real quickly, where can people find you online?
0: Where can people uh the easiest place to find me online is Facebook. Uh my profile is public. I am that William J. Ride.
1: And Mortis. Come
0: and on, Mm. Uh, w dot mortismedia dot That's our website, which hasn't been an, updated in a long while, but uh that's soon to be uh, rectified. And also, probably the most active uh, Mortis stuff you're going to find is going to be on our Facebook page, which is uh, Mortis, also Facebook Mortis, all caps.
1: And that's M-O-R-T-I-S. Because yes. somebody asked me the other day, how do you spell that? I'm like, okay, here you go. So definitely, you guys, <laughs> you guys really need to go check it out. Um, yes. I... I, I started with the Nightmare on Elm Street ones. If you're definitely um, a Freddy Krueger fan, definitely listen to that. You guys would definitely get a kick out of that. Plus, of course, if you're a West Craven fan, period, you'll absolutely love it because these guys know what they're talking about. They, you, you know, I thought I knew my stuff. These guys really know their stuff. I, there's very few people who've ever seen um, uh, the last um, uh, the last house on the left. These oh people my seen God. it. They know it. These guys really know it. Like, <laughs> y'all think, y'all think I know myself when it comes to horror, these guys have me beat. I could probably still beat them in Star Wars though. <laughs> yeah, I
0: you? Nah, you might not beat Steven.
1: Nah, I got Steven. That's all right. You probably
0: beat me. Uh you might not beat Steven, but uh <laughs> Yeah, last
1: house on the left. Uh, speaking of which, if you're a
0: fan of that film in West Craven, um I'm working on something special involving the late David Hiss for Mortis that will be out sometime. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, that was one of of the proudest moments of my life. I have the last published interview with David Hiss. It was in Videoscope a few years back, not too long after he passed away. Aw. Yeah, David was a
1: sweetheart. I I always cry when I hear about, you know, the passing of somebody. I'm just like, man, seriously? uh, Yeah.
0: David had a heart attack, and it was like, it was a real shock to me, you know, and um, nothing like his character, well, the thing about David Hess was he was very much like his character in uh, Last House on the Left, in that he was a tough guy, and he took no shit, but on the other hand, he was also a very warm, giving, and very creative guy, and uh, yeah, I miss him. He was a cool guy. And I'm, I'm looking to do something with my audio that I have of our interview together for uh, Mortis at some point in the next year or so.
1: I have to ask, because I didn't see it yet, and I may have missed it because I was skimming through just titles. Have you guys interviewed Lloyd Kaufman yet?
0: I've interviewed Lloyd Kaufman. You have? Yeah, I interviewed Lloyd Kaufman for a magazine called Penny Blood. Lloyd is, uh, Lloyd is everything you want Lloyd to be. Have you ever met Lloyd? I
1: have met Lloyd on oh, countless occasions.
0: <laughs> I love Uncle Lloyd. There's a there's a picture I'll send to see. There's a picture of Stephen and me and Lloyd and Stephen's son that is just hilarious. But uh, yeah, we've known Lloyd for a long time, and I uh, haven't got Lloyd on the show yet. That's coming. Yeah, you know, Lloyd has done a little. Uh, he's mentioned Mortis on his Twitter a time or two back when we were first starting, but. Uh, Yeah, Lloyd. Lloyd's something else. Lloyd is definitely brilliant. Lloyd went to the You know, he was. uh, I know. Yeah, he's a really cool. The thing about Lloyd is he never forgets the name or
1: face. mm -mm. Once he meets you once, once it could be he can meet you at a comic book convention. If you actually strike up a conversation with him, it can be two or three years later. He's going to recognize you. He's going to know you. Um, He actually recognized me and went. And this is funny. He goes, Where did your boobs go? Because <laughs> I had a brush reduction um, like two years after I had the, the like, I, I saw him like many for like from like 2001 to like 2011. Every year, I would always stop by his table and say hi when he was at Dragon Con. 2012, I actually had a brush reduction. Y- you're going to faint 18 pounds. <laughs> So when I walked up and I was like, "Hey," and he's like, "That's the first words out of his mouth. Where are your boobs?" Oh crap! Really? Not hi. Not how you been? That's the first thing you're gonna say to me, you schmuck. But he, you know, but that's just who he is, cause he's he's just that funny, fantastic guy. And um, and if you are a podcaster, I can guarantee you this: if you talk to him, he will be more than happy to tell you how to contact his publisher so you will actually be able to start working on when you'll be able to get him on your show
0: oh yeah i can i've got lloyd's number um i don't have a number
1: but <laughs> he uh, when i saw him at indie popcon um earlier this year he gave me his um his pr manager. he's like here you contact this person we'll set something up because i because w- the first word he asked me the first question he asked me after he was like well that's what you've been doing why have i not been on your show i don't know why haven't you been on my show like that's always that's that seems to be his first question to ask and i i and the only reason why i ask that is because i could just see you and steven and him cracking up almost through 98 percent of the entire show
0: (laughs) yeah steve and i have been uh lloyd's uh backup Cowboys boys for many many years (laughs) (laughs) now.
1: so then the next question which is one what is one name one of your favorite trauma films
0: Favorite? Uh, I've, I've got to go with um, the original Toxic Avenger. That's the that's the one that laid the track down for trauma for me. I love that film. Love yeah, it. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, if you've never seen it, you gotta go see it.
1: And we're not talking that abomination of the cartoon series that they did, guys. We're actually talking the movie. <laughs> I kind of like even though <laughs> I, I here's the sad part. I actually have that cartoon series on VHS, and I have the figures right on <laughs> that's actually and and that's and that's the funny thing is it's it's amazing what actually brings you into something like you got to see the movie i watched the cartoon then i found out there was a movie it was kind of like attack of the killer tomatoes cartoon sent me to watch the original attack of the killer tomato movies and return of the killer tomatoes oh yeah weird <laughs> i don't know i i i You know, I love Tromeo and Juliet. I thought that one was fantastic. Uh, Poultry Geist was just absolutely hilarious. And then, um, oh, why am I being stupid and now I can't remember it. It's the one where, because he got Trey Parker and the other guy that did South Park their start with it.
0: Oh, Cannibal, the musical.
1: Cannibal, Cannibal, the musical. I mean, come on. (laughs) The sun is as warm as a baked potato.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When uh, when I interviewed Lloyd, he was working on the sound mix for Poultry Guys, and as we were talking, he would stop and hold the phone up to the speakers and say, listen to this. It sounds great. Yeah. 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 We did that. That interview was so strange and funny. You know, like anything you're going to do with Lloyd, it's going to be funny. You know, he's uh, in the studio working on stuff. We're talking. He leaves the building. We're talking. He gets in a cab. We're talking. He buys milk. The convenience store, we're talking. It's,
1: it was a great it, interview. It's really weird. It's almost It's almost like this podcast is perfect for it because he just has to be on his phone. Yeah. This is built cool for this. <laughs> yeah, you should hit him
0: up. Lloyd on your show. Lloyd's always a good
1: one. I, I, I actually talked to his PR guy. He said that he was extremely booked at this particular time and that I should contact him in a couple of weeks. So I will recontact in a couple of weeks because I'm not taking no for an answer. Yeah, you can't. I won't. <laughs> so then the last the last question I have for you. Okay. You know, October's coming. You have a Friday the 13th coming out, coming in October. Are you guys going to do any big hurrah with Mortis for it?
0: Oh, God. Right now we're just trying to get back on our feet and get shows out again. I've got this two-parter coming up, and then I need to get with the guys and see what we're going to do for Halloween because I really like to do something special for the season. Oh.
1: Come with uh, me. Come with probably. me. I am. I am actually booking an overnight stay at the Waverly Sanatorium in Louisville. Oh wow! You should come with. I'm allowed to bring up to six people. Yeah. I only have three. I have three more spots. <laughs> uh, I
0: don't know. I don't know. We'll see.
1: <laughs> we also <laughs> that, that, have. Sound of look. I like horror films. I don't actually want to live in one. <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like at uh, my age, I'm not. Uh, I'm not much into inconvenience myself overnight.
1: You know, it's six in the morning. You know, you just have to hang out with some ghosts, goblins, maybe some demonic entities for six hours. You know, no big deal.
0: Yeah, I call that high school. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I call that life. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: No but September eighth, we have a big show coming up here in Knoxville that we're uh, co-sponsors of, called uh, CreepyCon. It's sponsored by, uh, it's put on by uh, organization called Creepy Knoxville. It's all over Facebook. Mm-hmm. Look it up, uh, CreepyCon twenty seventeen. So we got that coming up. It's going to be. It's a small show. It's a one nighter. And it's mostly local people who are into horror and Halloween. So there's going to be, uh, I think, a zombie fashion show and a cake baking deal and uh, a lot of uh, haunters and riders and all that kind of thing. So we'll be there.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately, I be able to make it because I'm shooting a commercial two days after that. Oh, right on. Good for you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, see- Put the fat girl in the back, please. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. So you have CreepyCon coming up this September. What? Uh, any other conventions you're planning on for this year? Oh
0: God, uh, me for this year. This is pretty much coming to the end of my season. So I'm just working on uh, Mortis stuff and Exploitation Nation stuff and whatever comes down the pike, really. Yeah. You know, um. Something comes up between now and then, I'll let you know, but otherwise I think (laughs) I'm, I'm just, I'm working the rest of the year.
1: Oh, well, uh, when, uh, just a question, but when are you not working?
0: Uh, I need to work a lot harder than I do actually on this stuff right now, but, uh, we just I moved my family across town just, uh, about a month ago, and we're, we're still living out of boxes, so I'm just trying to get stuff in when I can. Now, actually, I was working on it. Odd, it's odd that we uh, started out with the Bigfoot thing, because interestingly enough, I'm writing a review right now, right before I got on the phone with you, uh, about the uh, Legend of Boggy Creek, Charles B. Pierce
1: mm-hmm. film, from 1972.
0: Mm-hmm. I was working on that for Exploitation Nation.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which I also reviewed for uh, Mortis, I think. It's on one of those episodes.
1: (laughs) So, okay. Got a quick question, because I know we're down to our last eight minutes. So before we started the show, you asked me if I believed in Bigfoot. I gave you my answer. You told me, of course, that you would rather live in a world where there was a Bigfoot than there wasn't. Of the mythical creatures that people talk about, like Loch Ness, uh, Mm -hmm. Bigfoot, ghost, stuff like that, is there any of them that you don't believe in?
0: God, you know... If you nail me down and make me tell one hundred percent truth uh, i i'll believe it at this I either believe in all of them or none of them. How's that for a non answer <laughs> no, no no that that's that's a complicated that's... thing, you know um I'm, I'm much like uh much like Mulder, I want to believe you know, but uh the jury's still out on a lot of it. I keep my mind open. You know, I don't think it's an entire I don't think it's entirely an impossibility of things I just flat out don't believe in. I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a degree of plausibility in, in a lot of those uh, you know, cryptozoological cryptozoolog- crypto, uh, cryptozoological yeah, I mean uh, you know, I think there's a uh, there's an element of truth in just about anything
1: like that. So you're kind of like where I'm at, where there's just so much, you know, there's been, not that you've ever seen it, but there's been so many stories and there's just so much out there about something very specific that it's kind of hard to believe that it's, that there's not something that's relatively like it out there in the world.
0: Right. Right. Now I think, uh, Thing that if I flat out don't believe something, I would say it's the ancient alien thing. I don't buy I don't buy that and buy into that at all.
1: Well that's okay because we already we already realized that, you know, if you're Asian, especially in Japan and aliens attack, Godzilla will destroy them, then turn around and destroy your city. It's all right. <laughs> Seriously. Come on now. Even okay. even you have to admit. They they made this Godzilla movie where we don't get to see Godzilla. They basically give him freaking Gamera's background that or you know, it's like, oh, he's the protect No, Gamera's the protector. Godzilla's the destroyer, and the only time Godzilla ever really protected Tokyo is when the aliens came. And then after that was done, he was about to destroy your city. How do you make him your hero? <laughs>
0: It's complicated. That's the answer.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> Complicated
0: is the answer. Even
1: though I am excited to know I I really do want to see because um Kong Skull Island really wasn't that bad. Oh, yeah. Um I actually quite enjoyed it. Um and I'm really interested to see what they do with the Godzilla versus King Kong that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm really interested in it. I don't
0: know, I'm such a fan of that ori- of the originals, <laughs> you know. The-
1: yeah, I own every Godzilla movie, even the Matthew Broderick piece of crap sitting yeah. in my library because I'm that much of a fan of Godzilla. Um, even, wow. though, even though I am a huge fan of Gamera, and that's my boy right there, and I would put money on him over Godzilla any day of the week, say what you want. <laughs> I still have it. <laughs> Seriously, that's my boy right there. Yeah. I got I, you I, I, as a protector. I'm okay with that. Now, now cool. all I need to do is that. Now I want to see the major kaiju battle, and don't, you know? Technically, Cthulhu's a kaiju because giant monster is what it translates into. I want to watch Cthulhu versus Gamera. I want to see that movie.
0: <laughs> That's uh, that is another two to four hours with me. <laughs> if you want to talk about the Lovecraftian creatures versus anything at all.
1: You know what? I think that is something we're going to have to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have, a me and William are going to sit down and have the Lovecraftian versus Kaiju. Okay. (laughs) Sound like a plan to you? Sounds good to me. All right. Well, then on that note, we are going to go ahead and get out of here because there's only four minutes left before this this website goes get off. So on that note, guys, make sure that you follow William over on Facebook. It's William J. Wright, or actually the William J. Wright. And make sure to check out Mortis. You all know that I don't listen to podcasts, and I'm listening to this one. So that should tell you guys that you should be listening to this too. So make sure that you check it out. These guys are fantastic, and the way that they have their podcast set up is brilliant, in which you guys can learn, especially if you're wanting to be podcasters, a lot just by listening to their show and the way how they work it out. So oh give my them a. Shot.
0: Thank you what? so much. That was uh that was very very nice. Thank you.
1: I I'm just being honest. I really okay. am. It's but don't think that I haven't already went, ooh, I like that idea. Cuz I already have. <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this has been a blast. I've had a great time.
1: I'm so glad that you've had so much fun. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn more about AGP, you can follow us anywhere. We're all over the interwebs. Remember, it's Amanda Gimlet Presents, except for over on Twitter, it's Amanda G. Presents. And remember, we also stream videos. Every Wednesday through Sunday, and keeping with the horror genre, we will be back with Seven Days to Die, trying to survive the zombie apocalypse tomorrow night at 10:30. On that note, we wish you all wonderful, scary dreams, and you all have a fantastic night. Good night. Say good night, William. Good night. <laughs> well, okay, you can. Oh, it was, I love it. I love doing this podcast. It would be nice if it would just end, but it's trying not to tell me to end. It's being stupid. Yeah, because it'll actually tell you pro- the recording is over. It's making me log back in. This is...